well, 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 well. Welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program. We call it Smoking and Toasting, and it is show number 89. Uh, Smoking and Toasting is all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we are brought to you by our very good friends and confidants. B&B Butchers. At B&B Butchers, yes. At 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas. One of these days, B&B will spread all over the country and will dominate the world. So, you know, whenever <laughs> that song Radio Brave comes on, uh, the beginning of that, mm-hmm. I actually have this response. Uh, much like when you listen to your favorite album over and over again, one yeah. song ends, you expect- You expect the next song the to next start? The next song yeah. to start, right? So anytime I hear that song now, I, I expect to hear you go, what? <laughs> and it's weird if it doesn't happen. It's kind of weird when it happens too, right? Yeah, but uh, but that's okay. Uh, we have a very, I think, a very interesting show today. We're going to be sampling some very interesting uh, beers and spirits, and we're going to be talking about a lot of what's going on uh, in in the ongoing uh, legal battles for the premium cigar industry. Uh, by the way, we've been communicating with our man at the Cigar Rights of America, Mr. Trey Boring, uh, who's been on the show before, and he is, um, he's been out of town but is coming back and will schedule in within the next few shows. We'll have Trey on again. Fantastic. To bring us up to date from... The uh, from the real sort of in depth legal uh, legal standpoint, I'll give you kind of a synopsis of what's going on uh, and where we stand. There have been several uh, major things happen this week, and one of the things that is important is now is the time to actually do something. If you are a cigar smoker, if you enjoy the occasional premium cigar or more than occasional premium cigar. It's now time for you to actually do something. It's one thing to just hear about what's going on and to root for the guys who are out there, uh, you know, kind of waving the flag for us. But now's the time you can actually make a difference. You think sometimes that just one voice won't make a difference, but the combined several voices of all of us will actually make a difference in this thing. And so I'll tell you exactly what to do, uh, and it's easy, and you can just get involved and and do your part to help support this thing that we all love and keep the people that make our cigars from having to take on ridiculous extra expense and ridiculous extra you know packaging issues and all of the stuff that goes with it because that will all wind up coming out of our pockets eventually <laughs> is the reality you know you know it's it's amazing how the government can have so many laws like anti-gouging laws yet this is what they do yet with they gouge uh, with cigars with it's unbelievable yes, yeah yes. they don't and they don't even hide it no They're like well, cigar smokers you get this you know, and the only people I think who are treated perhaps more unfairly than cigar smokers is cigarette smokers because it's now such a, a, a you know, societal no-no to be a cigarette smoker that they just pile on the taxes and the, you know, because, because no uh, senator, congressman is going to be popular in his home district if he advocates, let's say, an income tax increase well, what, or a sales tax increase. And one of the things that really sucks about it, too, is, is cigars and cigarettes get lumped into the same thing. Well, that's right. Because, because they're, they're both smoking, but it's a different. way different yeah. thing. Like, you're not inhaling a cigar. And that's Holy really, Toledo, if you do, by the way, you'll and be it, in bad shape. And it also, uh, <laughs> the cigar industry does not cater to and is not like uh, accessed by uh, people under 18. No. Not uh, at all. Cigarettes, I understand the problem. Kids start smoking at an early age sometimes. No, but- you had that uh, Captain Obvious moment in one of our earlier yes. shows where it talked about how much money we spent for a study 
to find out that no one under 18 buys per you know buys and uses premium cigars sometimes i think that nobody under 30 does like when i go into right. a cigar shop or so you know because it has a tendency to be more mature older right. people you know that it, well let's put it this way as a habit it's not a super cheap one well yeah you know? so if you're at home eating ramen you're probably not smoking premium cigars probably not no and you know and, and i've been through that time in my life you yes. know and at this point in time in my life i can afford a cigar once in a while yeah, that's so. right and uh, and one of the things we do try to do here is occasionally share good news about a four five six dollar cigar that is really exceptionally good so that you know you don't have it, it's really easy sometimes and particularly when you go in certain cigar stores to just assume that the average price of a premium cigar is about 13 to 19 dollars yeah you know? and because some some stores that's kind of where everything that's, yeah, everything that's where seems to start at 10 you know right and in some states it's even worse so and i'm always looking for a sweet spot at you know the seven dollar range. Yeah, see, I love the seven and eight dollar range. Yeah, that's they're where great, I, and I love it when I find a gem uh, mm-hmm. that's that's under five dollars that you can get. Now, unfortunately, at a uh, brick and mortar, it's a little hard to find those under five dollar gems, and so I generally don't look for those there. But if you're online buying and you mm-hmm. want something that is a fantastic cigar for the under you get five dollars special or something, yeah, yeah there's a lot if, out there. It, my sweet spot's probably seven to eight. That's yeah. where I seem to be able to find more cigars at seven and eight dollars that smoke like a ten to twelve dollar right. than I do a five or six that smokes like. And eight or nine. Well, you know? and then when you start talking about a twelve to thirteen dollar cigar in the first place, that inherently should be a pretty badass cigar. Yes, yes. Because it's twelve to thirteen dollars starting point. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely so. right. Well, uh, we have a lot of good things to discuss on the show, and I just wanted to mention what we're going to be tasting today. Anchor Brewing uh, in San Francisco has one called Liberty Ale. I don't think it's new. I think they've been making it no, for it's been years. Out for a long time, but it's new to me. It's delicious. Yes. Yeah, so oh, did I? Did I say that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have now like completely biased the review, Ian. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a feeling it's don't be think delicious. it's delicious because of me. Because the Anchor Brewing people seem to know what they're doing. Man, they do, and their steam is so good. So here's one you may not have tried. Let's see, the Wicked Weed. Genesis Blonde Sour Ale. Have not. Okay, we'll be tasting that on the show. That will be all brand new. And Lakewood Brewing's Coconut Temptress Imperial Milk Stout. That sounds interesting. Yes, it does, doesn't it? So we'll be trying that. Plus, Antigua Cruise Añejo Tequila on the show today. Nice. So it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a good tasting sh- uh, good tasting show. Plus, a uh, a huge and very important safety alert: cigars and cheap cologne do not mix. We'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, and on today's show, why we call it booze. Where the word came from? What the uh, what the origin is? You know, ever since you sent the show booze. notes out, yeah. Uh, and show notes, by the way, this is where Cruz puts together, hey, we might talk about this stuff. Right. Um, sometimes and, we do, and sometimes we don't an email. Yeah. Um, but ever since you sent the show notes out today, I've been wondering about that. Why do we call it booze? Now, if there was only a little device that I could hold in my hand and ask these questions. Oh, see. But I actually wanted to wait for a surprise. You waited. Oh, oh good. I'm so, glad. I'm glad. <laughs> so tell me about your week, Ian. Did you smoke anything interesting this week? I smoked a cigar that I couldn't actually identify. <laughs> Oh, that's that can be a problem. You ever Until have one today. that the band slips off of it in your humidor and you yeah, don't know you're what like, you're smoking? I don't you're know like, what it is. Wow, this is good. I wonder what it is. All right, we're going close up on this band because this is all uh-huh. I had to go by. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's no name on here as far as the brand or anything like that. So, um, 
But it's an awesome looking band. Uh, what I yeah, did find dude. out, I finally found out and searched it around today. This is a Casa Fernandez Master Mason. Ah. I don't know where I got it. I don't think I gave it to you. I don't know where I got it. It might have been from uh, from the Big Smoke, or I might have just picked it up somewhere. So I, I don't no think idea. it was Big Smoke because I would have had one. You would have had and one, and too, I don't, right. I don't okay. recognize that man. <laughs> so whoever so, whoever gave me this. one of your friends, maybe I, maybe, maybe identify yourself. This was this was. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start off. This was a fantastic cigar. She so liked it. It was. So good. Uh, my, me and my wife was sitting out back with me. We were sitting on the patio, and I was smoking. And I even mentioned like a few times, like this cigar is, is fantastic. <laughs> like, it was interesting because it started off um, the pre light sniff was kind of. Um, this is a Maduro blend, by the way. That's what this one was. It's a uh, Nicaraguan Maduro blend, and um, and it, the the pre light sniff started off with just your basic cigar. Generic right. kind of cigar there's profile. there's not a lot in that yeah, pre-light. It wasn't, I, it's funny. I read reviews online sometimes, and they're listing eight things they got in the pre-light. I'm like, you know, I'm lucky if I get <laughs> leather or chocolate. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. This had a little hint of coffee on the pre-light sniff. It had um, just your classic kind of barn um, smells. Sort of tobacco smells. Tobacco yeah. smells. You know, it, just, it didn't smell like much. Um, the construction was really beautiful. Like, it's this dark chocolate um somewhat not totally oily but a little bit oily and enough mm-hmm. to be almost toothy kind of chewy nice, you know nice. i like that yes um because sometimes much like arnold schwarzenegger i like to stand around with a cigar just in my jaw I, it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very action hero it is it you know is. it really is so um uh, so anyway uh I, I fired it up and the it, it started off very mild like the whole pre-light the whole uh, initial light was very mild, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is kind of nice." Very classic cigar flavors, uh, coffee uh, flavors going on, a little bit of a little bit of chocolate kind of flavors going on, and then it just blossomed into this wonderful complex uh, like coffee shop. So, how far in did it like kind of take off? At, you know, at about a half inch. Really? So it That's didn't take good. long. It That's didn't good. take long at all, and it just blossomed in this. And then, as I smoked it, the the complexity kept building until it had towards the end it had some pepper and some spice towards the end, mm-hmm. but it never built up to where it was too much of anything. It kind of evolved, and and the coffee kind of went away, and chocolate came in, and then the chocolate kind of went away, and the pepper came in, and it just kind of did this and i that was i love fantastic. when cigars kind of shift and change yeah. as you smoke them too yeah <laughs> so you know, if, where you get different things if you would have had the first couple puffs of this cigar and then came back at the tail end of the cigar you would have just thought it was a completely different, different blend different smoke, but yeah. still had some things uh in in um in common now the first third of this um was flawless the second third of this towards the end of my second third of this actually went out on me and uh, I did a relight with no penalty whatsoever. Good to know. It was wonderful. Um, and then by the time I was just about done with this, it kind of went out on its own again. And so I was done with it at that point in time. But I had smoked it down pretty small at that point. Uh, I want to put this. I have no idea what this thing uh, costs because I have no idea where I got it. So I guess just so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm not going to. I'm going to skip the price to quality index today and just tell you this was a fantastic cigar. If you see this, I'm going to hold this. Label yeah, please up again. show that label again. If you see this, you go. buy one. Okay. They are good. That's good and to know. I will tell you that if that uh, if that cigar costs ten dollars, it's worth every penny. If that cigar okay. costs twelve dollars, it's worth every penny. Okay. If it costs more than that, mm, 
then you're maybe getting right on that line. But man, it was a good cigar. Uh-huh. I enjoyed it. Well, if it smokes like a ten or twelve, then whatever the price, you can compare it to that. If you, right. If you come across one, that's good to know. I had a, a really great cigar this week too. Um, a special occasion cigar for me, as uh, my wife and I have our anniversary this week. And congratulations Thank on that. You. And uh, she gave me a, a kind of a you know special occasion cigar for anniversary. What did you get? And it is a it, it was I should say because it has now been smoked a Monte Cristo Connoisseur Texas Edition Toro. Ah. Now it's one of four regional editions. That Monte Cristo released. They released a Texas, a New York, a Chicago, and a Las Vegas. And so this is one of the four. It uh, is uh, Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian wrapper, a Dominican piloto binder, and Dominican filler. So Ecuadorian and Dominican. But the the sort of big thing for me is it's a it was a sixty ring gauge, a little bit bigger That's than my normal. Bigger smoke. than what you generally yeah. smoke. Yeah. I'm usually in the fifty, you know, forty. Eight to fifty-five range, um, but uh, from the start, a very elegant cigar, beautiful construction, gorgeous wrapper on it. Um, pre-light, a little bit of coffee, maybe some toasted nuts, and then I used a punch and lit it up. It took a minute before the flavor really started to to kick in, but once it did, it was complex from about that first half inch, like you mm-hmm. mentioned with yours, uh, all the way down until I was literally burning my fingers and had to put it down in the ashtray. Um, I got notes of leather and black pepper, cedar, a little bit of cocoa on the finish. It was a medium-bodied cigar. It wasn't full. It was medium-bodied, but it was so rich and full-flavored and very complex. It was exactly what you want a medium-bodied cigar to be. I I don't think you could have asked for much more flavor uh, from a medium-bodied cigar. I smoked it while we watched the thriller of... uh, of a uh, Rockets Warriors game four, Rockets won by three. Go Rockets! Um, maybe it was our anniversary. Maybe it was the Rockets win. But I absolutely loved the cigar. Uh, my wife did not tell me how much it cost. I'm guessing it was about a fifteen dollar cigar. So if I'm right, um, PDQ, I'd put it a five and a half. Um, uh, again, assuming it's a fifteen to eighteen dollar cigar, five point five, which again, price to quality. If it's a five, you get exactly what you paid for. So I felt like this was just a little more if it's in that price range. It's really difficult for a fifteen to eighteen dollar cigar to score much higher than w- what you paid for right. it. You know, but this one I thought did maybe outperform just uh, a little bit. So if you find it for fifteen to eighteen dollars or less. Buy it. It's uh, it's good. So two big cigar recommendations here today. Yeah, those mine was Very great. Nice. We'll see what we think of uh, some of the spirits and beers that we'll be trying coming up. Plus, why do we call it booze? We will find out on this program. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting, episode number eighty nine. It'd kind of be too much if I did the well, well, like every time we came back. That'd be okay. Well, 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 well. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. It's uh, Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 89. Uh, the title of today's show is Why Do We Call It Booze? We will get to the bottom of that uh, as the program continues. We'll be doing some tasting. In fact, I've already uh, brought out the Liberty Ale, showing that to the camera there. We'll be trying that momentarily, although Ian uh, uh, informs me that he's already tasted 
this, but we'll you know we'll taste it and tell you what we tell you what we it's, get. It's called research. Yes, that's exactly what <laughs> I we have do. been researching this work for many years. I understand you researched the cigar that I. Uh, so when you mentioned on. that, and I wanted to make sure that you got all the way through your uh, review of it. When you mentioned that, I uh, actually last year, not this past birthday, but the one before that, my wife bought tickets to see. Um, uh, bought tickets to see. Uh, um, I'm totally blanking now. <laughs> <laughs> it was the organ a show. player, oh, uh, uh, Green Onions. Oh, I'll think of it in a second. Somebody, <laughs> somebody will uh, will mention it in the show notes. I know, uh, Booker T and the MGs. Booker T, yeah. So she bought tickets. I don't know why I couldn't bring that up. She bought me tickets for my birthday to see Booker T, and uh, we drove out there. Now this was on the north side of town. I was out at the at the Dosi Do. Which mm-hmm. is a great place to see, great place to uh, see shows. events. But on our way out there, we happened by a Specs mm-hmm. and I wandered in. Which is easy to do in Houston. Yes, yes. And I wandered in and I walked into there. They had a small humidor in that Specs, but it was a small walk in. And I looked down and I saw a Texas edition and I thought, well, I'll try that. Why not? <laughs> you live here. Why not? So, like, a couple things when you said that brought me back to that night. That night was such a good night, such a good show. I mean, Booker T just killed it. I was sitting, like, I could just, I was sitting from here to a little past the camera away from the guy. Mm-hmm. And he was just amazing right behind his organ the whole time. Uh, his son was playing guitar with him. His son was uh, good. Um, we had a blast, and then we went uh, out after that, and I ended up smoking that cigar, and just that was like one of the fun things about smoking a cigar like that is the memory you attach to well, you sometimes tie when it's it. a yes. special occasion Absolutely. cigar. Well, just like I was saying, uh, for me, right. that cigar will always be anniversary and the rocket. Right, right, yeah. right. So, um, so like certain cigars do that, and then when you said that, it just brought me back to that entire uh, that entire time, and I was like, oh, that was fun. And what was your take on it? Did you like I, it as well? I, you know, I didn't do a full review on it, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I had no problems with the price I paid for it. Um, and if I'm correct, it was in the, I think you're right, it was in the 14 to $15 range. Mm-hmm. But it said Texas edition. You know, we're Texans, so we will buy stuff that says Texas editions, whether it's a truck, yes, uh, whether it's a cigar. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but apparently it is truck month. Is it really? Yes. In I Texas. thought last month was truck month. You know, I've, I've apparently seen, I've seen a commercial month. that last month was truck month. <laughs> By the way, they don't have sales anymore at car dealers. No, they have events. Events. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of Texas and the fact that we will buy anything that says Texas edition on it, because because we're Texans, we're Texans. Uh, the Texas cigar industry um, <clears throat> is going to get a chance to argue against the FDA's final deeming rule in court next month. The judge has set a court date while also denying uh, the agency's attempt to transfer the case to Washington, D.C. So um, so it's it's going to be very interesting. The uh, Texas cigar industry has filed their own suit against this pending legislation, basically. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. That's one of the updates on Cigar Watch uh, this week for what's going on legally. The other is where you can get involved. The FDA recently opened up a comment period inviting the public to weigh in on its serious and onerous restrictions on the premium cigar industry. They have said, and I'm reading this from Cigar Aficionado, uh, from a special alert that they sent out, they have said they are willing to listen. So it's imperative that we tell everyone, that everyone tell the FDA premium cigars deserve to be exempt 
from these regulations. Yes. And that's all you have to do. So go to the FDA website, or you can go to cigaraficionado.com, and there are links there awesome. for what to do. But uh, the the idea, you don't have to you know, write three paragraphs. You simply have to say, I, as a cigar smoker, I'm, I'm this age, I live here. I truly believe that premium cigars should be exempt from this legislation because they are not a part of the problem. Yes. That's that's all. And you this have to will say. only take moments <clears throat> of your time. Only and, takes minutes of your time. And a shout out to Cigar Aficionado, by the way. Those guys are an upstanding. You know, uh, I, I really like Cigar Aficionado. They come under a little scrutiny every once in a while, a little criticism, but I enjoy the magazine. I enjoy their reviews. I don't always agree with their reviews, but that's fine. Their reviews. That's okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't agree with the guy that you know gave Star Wars one star when it came out either. But uh, <laughs> you know that that's just me. I'm a bit of a geek for things like that. So, um, all right, it's smoking and toasting show number eighty nine. Can you believe they've allowed us to do eighty nine episodes of this thing? It's time to. Pop the top. That's such a good song. On some Liberty Ale. It certainly is. Now, Anchor Brewing in San Francisco is, correct me if I'm wrong, in the oldest craft brewery in the United States. Is that right? I, I believe that it is. The oldest They're, operating craft brewery in the United States is Yingling. Well, okay. You're right. So, I guess what Anchor is credited with then is kind of starting the modern day craft beer movement. Yes, and they've been they, around. They when around they launched forever. Anchor Steam. Yes, they have been around for a while. And I guess I should have done some research and looked to see exactly how long. But uh, I do know that Anchor Steam is great. We I anxiously await their Christmas ale every year. Every year. Every year. It's so good. My favorite actually was not last year, but the year before. Last mm -hmm. year was good. Year before was just absolutely exceptional. So, um, so I'm big big fans of the Anchor Steam. Big fans of really everything. I've also Anchor tried an, Porter an IPA of theirs good. that I tried that was very very good. But this one is the Anchor Liberty Ale. The print is very very small to read, but it has an eagle and an anchor on the front, along with some hops and some barley, and it is, I think, uh, I think going to be pretty refreshing this is a great example of a refreshing light ale mm -hmm. you know i mean the color of it look at this this you know slightly dark straw color and, it, and it's a little bit hazy too it's not uh, it's yeah, not it's unfiltered but it's a little hazy um it's a really really good example of what you'd want in a light ale I well think. for one thing it's full of flavor yes. it has got mouth feel yes. and flavor yes. from the very beginning so whereas a lot of light ales or summer beers mm -hmm. or some blondes are refreshing but not necessarily packed with flavor this is completely different this manages to ride the line between uh there's a little bit of uh bitter snap mm -hmm. to the end mm -hmm. of it that that leaves you crisp and going hmm i'd like another sip of that right the crispness um, doesn't get taken over by the bitter right. but it's definitely there's, there there's not very much sweet to this but then no. again it's not a bitter beer it just has a bitter snap at the aftertaste and to me this is a great drinkable ale and it's probably in the neighborhood of five percent i'd guess yes i think that's right i think that's right it, uh, but i'm looking to see if it's i also wrong. am a true believer that uh anchor can't do much wrong when it comes well, to Well, I certainly have not had an Anchor beer that I have not liked on some level. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this is this is surprisingly refreshing for how much flavor is in this beer. Would I'm, you agree? I'm actually continually amazed too, like their uh steam uh beer 
is it kind of its own style, mm-hmm. and it's so good. I've only ever I've seen run a across. Few, I've seen a few others try to make a well, steam style beer. I've only run across one, and that was from uh, here in town. That was uh, which brewery was that? The one up in the Heights. Um, not Eureka Heights. Not no. Eureka Heights. No, um, I, I can't think of it right now. But and it was a good one because remember, I think we had it at uh, at B and B actually when we were there. Jeremiah. Had oh it there. yes, yes, yes. I and it was there. Steam style beer, mm-hmm. yep. um, and it was also quite good. But Anchor just nailed that one, and I think their Liberty Ale is quite good. Yeah, quite good. And I loved the IPA of theirs that I tried. I don't think I've tried that. And uh, yeah, it's it's that one it's, slipped through the cracks. I'll have to track some down. It? It's not the easiest beer to find, although I think you can find Liberty Ale pretty easily uh, here in Texas. Uh, but and and the Christmas Ale is usually very discoverable. Yeah. But their other varieties are not quite as easy to find. Steam, you can usually right. find you steam. You can usually yeah. find, if you see Anchor, you almost always see Anchor Steam. Mm-hmm. But so many places, you'll see Anchor Steam, and that will be the only right. Anchor uh, represented there. So Unless it's Christmas time, in mm-hmm. which case. Uh, well, um, I don't know. Maybe it's not that common. Maybe I just seek it out every year because <laughs> it's so good. It is good, and it's um, different every year, too. That's the funny part. Along the lines of the legal stuff we were talking about, Canada <clears throat> has passed their own law that is going to eliminate beautiful cigar boxes in Canada. Are they just going to turn it into one big warning label? It's it's a plain packaging law for tobacco products. So holographic Cohiba bands and ornate boxes of you know punch and partagas and stuff may be a thing of the past, at least in Canada. The parliament passed a bill, uh, Bill S-5, on the 16th of this month, which gives the Health Canada Organization regulatory authority to implement plain and standardized packaging on tobacco and vaping products, including premium cigars. The bill does not lay out a specific plan for implementation, but some of the proposed uh, measures will include standardized color, standardized typeface, standardized packaging completely devoid of any stylized branding elements other than stating a brand name, Promotional colors, logos, crests, embossments, or gilding of any kind. The plain package rules will extend to both cigar boxes and cigar This makes bands. me think, by the way, that if you end up watching a movie in Canada that was released and has a cigar in it, it's going to have that black bar across the cigar the entire time. You know, they're... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's no, okay, so if anyone out there gets a cigar from Canada and it has a white label that simply says cigar, cigar. I totally need that. Yeah, I want that for sure. I totally need I that. I totally want that. Or, or a cigar box, like a plain white box that just says cigar. Yeah, <laughs> although it, it would have one example, and that's if you're trying to impress your friends. You're there smoking a cigar with a generic band, and the guy goes, uh, hey, what are you smoking? Yeah, Cuban Cohiba. <laughs> it's an Opus X. Really? It doesn't look like it. Yeah, Canada. Canada. Hey. <laughs> Just that's the, it's the ultimate leveler, yeah. right? Like, it doesn't matter what you're smoking. You can't show it off. All right. We're going uh, to take a, a very quick break, and we will return. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. When we come back, it's time to get sour. Some Wicked Weed Genesis Blonde Sour Ale. Very excited about tasting this. This is either going to be like a great new find or something completely off the charts different that it's not. wicked weed, so may it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird and likely to be, be good. Yeah, so we uh, we will pick back up with that. Plus, uh, I teased you about this last weekend, but the new machine that's coming out that brews coffee, tea, 
and beer. You know, I was, I was going to ask you about that because you have that as one of our talking points. Yes. And we didn't get to it. We'll get and to I'm it dying next. to hear that. We'll get to it next. It's Smoking and Toasting. Thank you for listening. Smoking and Toasting, show number 89. Uh, why do we call it booze? We will find out on this show coming up. By the way, that little uh, little bit of music there, little bumper music from Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, who I enjoyed so much seeing at Dosi Do, where you mentioned seeing uh, um, uh, Booker T. We've mentioned it before. That music is body. Yes, it is. Body and makes you want to do fun things. <laughs> All right, Pico U. Need you to remember that name, Ian. Pico U? Pico U, made by Pico Brew. Oh, of course. The Pico U uh, is a brand new machine. A Kickstarter campaign has kicked off for it. Uh, Go to Kickstarter and search Pico U. Uh, Not Pico Chew. That's totally different. Yeah, Pico and then the letter U. Pico U. Uh, It is a new machine that uh, Pico Brew is coming out with that is about half the size uh, of other Pico brewing machines. Think about it as uh, like if they slim down from the footprint of an espresso maker to basically the size of like a, a KitchenAid mixer or something like that. So it's a countertop, countertop machine. Uh, and it is going to sell uh, for about 250 to $300, depending on exactly what you buy. Uh, their current machines, which make, um, well, the Pico... U Deluxe is going for one eighty nine on Kickstarter. A one sixty nine basic model makes coffee, tea, and other beverages, but not beer. They'll retail for two ninety nine and two forty nine. So if you get involved in Kickstarter, you can get nice. Uh, uh, you can get a better price. But um, they are going to be a really interesting, uh, a really interesting device that can be used not only to make beer, but coffee, tea, kombucha, milk based drink. Uh, drinks yerba mate, horchata, and dry sodas. <laughs> All of these things. So uh, Pico Brew is looking to get the uh, grand goal of getting one of these on every counter. They said they knew they had to reduce the size and the price in order to accompany that. We think uh, if you get there with the right price point, the right utility, and the right physical size, we can realize the vision of getting the world brewing, and they can brew a lot of different things. The idea came from their experimentation making coffee and other beverages for fun with the machines, and so they decided that an expanded array of beverages would also expand the, the you know the appeal right. of the machines it's uh, themselves. Um, a system to route fluids of different temperatures through the device simultaneously or at different stages is the critical development. You can use your own freshly ground beans or purchase brewing packs from Pico Brew to make a single pu- a cup of pour-over coffee or a cup of hot tea or brew a larger pot of six to eight cups for milk-based drinks. Different ingredients are infused with hot liquid for proper brewing for making beer. A filter that holds the Pico packs, which are stuffed with malt and hops, will fit on top of the machine as opposed to the other appliances where it fits inside. When not in use, you store that filter away, and that keeps the profile on the machine sleek and uh, beer uh, goes into a five-liter keg. The machine self-cleans itself between cycles, 
And Pico Brew already has about 120 different Pico packs, which sell for about $25 to $30, uh, based on beers made by breweries and home brewers. You can use the Pico U app to customize your your uh, recipes uh, with your Wi-Fi-enhanced Pico U. So you brew your <clears throat> beer on this, and then you put yep. it away to ferment it. Basi- basically, yes. And then it goes to primary, yes. basically. So it, what's going to be really interesting about it is the experimenting with the different pods, because they've got 120 different ones. So you'd be able to experiment with different ones, different levels of hops, different you know levels of malt, what have you. That sounds like it would fill up my refrigerator so fast, and uh, it would be it, awesome. It sounds like I might finally participate in home brewing. <laughs> I just haven't wanted to do all that stuff, you know? Like, I, I find it fascinating, but I want somebody to do it. I'm one of those people, if I'm going to pay money for a uh, uh, for tickets to a concert, I want to see somebody who can play guitar and sing better than I can. <laughs> if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I want to pay money for a dinner prepared by a chef who cooks better than I do. And if I'm going to, you know, have a beer, I generally want it from a brewmaster who's better than me at doing this. But I don't know, this might change that. I could I could I could see experimenting with a little homebrew here. I just <laughs> I just had, I, did, I didn't want all the tubes and wires and the Right, right. Well, something. that that you know? is the down thing. Now, now a friend of mine had one of these little things that it was a little thing like this that you put some packets in and it brews Is that the beer. thing you put on your head and it has a can and then the, the Those are awesome. <laughs> I just wondered. Those are awesome. <laughs> I don't know why they ever went out of style. Well, I, I, like I, didn't, that, I that, didn't know they went out of style. That and the cod piece should have never gone out oh, of style. Oh, well, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but Let's see. I, the I Pico like Brew it. Model C. Here, let, let me put this up yeah, to the camera. Yeah. Oh, there you there go. You know. See? If only we had some sort of handheld device, small device where you could uh, you We could ask it questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to tell you, the little keg that they have is adorable. Yeah. Um, well, little kegs are adorable just in general. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally it's just adorable. a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, and it you looks ever see like. those? Like Heineken has those, like those oh, little kegs. Yeah. They're awesome. Well, did I tell you about Heineken? Like, I always thought Heineken was terrible beer. Yeah. Because it's skunky. You it know, is, it it's is a, a bit green skunky, bottle yes. beer, and green yep. bottle beers can suffer pretty uh, dramatically from the skunkiness. And uh, yeah. I was discussing this with a friend of mine. He goes, actually, Heineken's a pretty good beer, but you always get it in a green bottle so it's skunky. Because if you ever get it out of a keg, it's good. So literally days later, I walk into a HEB or something like that, some grocery store, and I see one of those little mini kegs, and I go, all right, okay. <laughs> I'll try it. Like, I've spent 20 bucks on worse stuff. Yeah, right. You right. know, <laughs> stuff that I didn't get. And Heineken's not a bad beer yeah. when it's not in a green bottle. It's so actually out of a those pretty mini okay kegs, beer. Yeah. It's the way to go. Totally. Yeah. And you can also find Newcastle in those mini kegs, which is delicious. Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. Ooh. Oh, boy. I like yeah. how you milk it to get the pss. Yes. So here's what's interesting. I just opened up this Wicked Weed Brewing Genesis. It's a blonde sour ale fermented with tropical fruits and the second the cap came off you could smell the it's a very fermented kind of uh kind of smell I'm starting to actually smell it a little bit over can here, you, right? you can actually smell it <laughs> wafting across the room it is a beautiful bottle i want to show that uh to the camera for those watching on facebook live and on youtube uh, it's a beautiful bottle and i want to read you what it says genesis is our flagship blonde sour ale And one of our inaugural offerings from the Funkatorium, fermented with over a pound per gallon of pineapple, guava, papaya, and mango. 
This beer is then aged in wine barrels and blended to accentuate the wild and tropical nature of yeast and fruit. It's 6.6%. And then there's this whole other thing, which I won't read, but it's it's worth reading if you buy a bottle of this because it's, it's just, you know, it's the stuff they make up to make the beer sound cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wicked Weed is like the the art rock of the. Uh, they kind of are of it's, the. Uh, it's totally world. like listening to like an old Emerson Lake and Palmer album. Yeah, is what it is. Because it can get weird. It's probably good, yeah. but it can get weird. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and don't expect a normal time signature anywhere no. close uh, to what you're uh, to what you're doing. So, I can tell you this: this is a very, I guess the best way I could describe it is fragrant beer. It's uh, it's definitely got. An interesting thing happening <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> it's yeah. got a funk. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> call it the funkatorium. Yeah, That's what this, they actually call it. This has a it. funk. This yeah. almost has a... It's not even dank. It's funky. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is making my saliva mm-hmm. go crazy just smelling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little scared of it. It's, it's funky in a way that, like... I'm not sure I'm going to like this. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> It's funky in the way that you know how sometimes a really good cheese can smell bad. Yes, this smell is, bad but taste good sometimes. Yes, That's what I'm hoping. Kind of like that. Yeah. No, you're it right. Smells it's, funky. It's, it's like a cheese that not go, like George Clinton funky. I mean, this is this is <laughs> a little bit like a dirty diaper. You know, it's not. It's not necessarily the most pleasant smell. I will. I will agree with you here. And it's. I noticed that you know it's taken me this long to even work up the courage to take a set. So I don't know what that means, Every, but uh, everyone in the studio is making that face when yeah. they smell it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it, ne- the next show that comes in here after us, they're not going to be happy. Wicked Weed um, should be angry right, at me for saying right. dirty diaper, but I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sip of this. And I, let's I gotta see. watch you do this. Let's see if this works like the cheese which you described. Let's let's hope. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Let's hope. This uh, and here we go. And he's tasting the beer. He's making a face. He's uh, he's thinking about it. Well, first of all, the the dirty diaper thing is not in the taste. That's the thing. It is. It is definitely something that smells funkier than it tastes. That said, it tastes pretty funky, but uh, but I think in a good way. Here's what happens: the sour of the sour blonde ale kind of overrides that fermentation. So the fermentation makes it interesting, but it keeps the fermentation of the the ripe tropical fruits from giving you too much funkiness. Um, are you disagreeing? I'm, I'm I'm actually just looking at my wife's face over there. She's making mm-hmm. bitter beer face in the absolute <laughs> worst way. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and tell you, I agree with what you just said. It actually over the, the sour ale overrides It's it. kind of over the top of it. I like sour ales. Yes, I do too. This is delicious. Okay, so you the like dirty it. Dirty diaper smell and everything. <laughs> this is delicious. I like this. This is not a cheap, but I want to say it's about a $13 uh, bottle, and it's not even a 750 milliliter. It's uh, it's 500 milliliters. So the interesting thing, too, is uh, smell it again, because once you have it on your palate, the smell oh, isn't smell quite as weird. Uh, yeah, it, it, you, know? you lose a little of the funk, the, the funk that made you not necessarily want to taste it. So this is definitely worth trying, and Mm -hmm. I like this. See, I would Mm -hmm. sit down and drink this and have no problems with this, even though... I can say a lot of my beer friends are not going to like this. (laughs) I kind of dig it, but see, I... I have a little bit of a taste for sour ales. I, I like, don't want them all the time, but I enjoy them on occasion. See, I like sour ales, and I like ones that are over-the-top sour ales, too. Like This one, to me, is a, is a perfect... If you have 
a friend that's you know really enjoys experimenting with different styles of beers and stuff. This is a perfect one to open up when they come over well, and so share. Great you know? example of a standard sour ale would be like Petrus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a very sour, very like very limited people like Petrus, okay? And you have to really like sour ales to like that. This has that element, but it also has some other interesting stuff. The light side of a sour ale would be like the raspberry AF from Right. From, Which uh, is much more palatable for the average. Yeah, well, beer it's drinker. sweeter. It has a lot mm-hmm. more of uh, those things going on to make it. This is not sweet. No, there's no sweetness in here. This is what, sour. What's interesting is I'm now getting almost a a grapefruit and not I not a grapefruit, a grapefruit mango. rind sort of yeah. a, uh, of a flavor on the finish as I drink more of this. What's interesting is just like the cigars we were describing today, this you notice different things as you take. The second, yeah. third, fourth sip of the this. The smell now, now that I have it on my palate, the smell has developed a little more towards Band-Aid rather than Dirty Diaper. <laughs> <laughs> which is which I this, suppose is an improvement. Which is funny because I yes. really, really like this beer. Oh, now see, I don't, oh man. <laughs> uh, well, yes, so the review here is smells awful, tastes pretty darn tastes good. Tastes great, yeah, you know. Tastes like, pretty darn good. I'm just going to try just a little more because- you see? Because it yeah it is kind of calling to me to have more. <laughs> it's I mm. you know I gotta tell you I think I think this is a pretty good beer. Just this would be it. great. It smells uh, weird. You know what it would be great. Honestly, great to share with a friend. Like when you want to let's try something different. You know when you're in the mood for that. Yes, but don't warn him about the smell. Just no, let no, him just, just, just let, let, him let go it happen. It. Let it happen. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, I will tell you why alcoholic drinks are called booze. Plus, we will taste some tequila from Antigua Cruz, the Antigua Cruz Añejo tequila coming up. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting, and we appreciate it. <laughs> Band-Aid? <laughs> Welcome back to Smoking and Dosin. By the way, that little music bump, The Suffers, who have a, a new CD coming out, and uh, the first CD release show sold out in minutes, so they have added a second one. Go I'm so Suffers. happy for them. I love yeah, they those rock. guys. They're, they're just absolutely one of the most enjoyable bands to see live. They're just an absolute treasure. Uh, welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 89, and uh, we are going to be tasting in this segment some Antigua Cruz Añejo Tequila. And I will tell you right off the top, I'm, I really find this interesting because it was not an expensive Añejo, just a little under $30 for an Añejo. That's almost unheard of. I may have gotten is, is a little that, bit of a sale price. Is but, that bottle unopened? Uh, <clears throat> no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you for asking. <laughs> All right. Why are alcoholic drinks called booze? Do you know? I don't. All right. Well, booze is a part of our vocabulary. According to one legend, the origin of the word dates back to the 19th century American distiller named Edmund Booze. Based in Philadelphia, Mr. Booze operated a successful business that became known for its log cabin-shaped whiskey bottles. And although many attribute the word booze to his influence, seems like that story is just a myth. (laughs) So that's not it. That would have been a good, easy explanation, right? Arthur Shapiro is the author of Inside the Bottle, People, Brands, and Stories He 
has uh, put out another theory on his blog, which is called Booze Business. You can check it out if you like. Uh, he shared an origin story that involves a contingent of American troops during World War One. These troops were in a southwestern French town with no alcohol to consume except for the local wine. That town was Bouzet, as in Bouzet wine, as in where's this here Bouzet? Uh, the story, however, also seems to be a myth. In fact, uh, scholars have found examples of the word booze, spelled B-O-U-S-E, in reference to drinking alcohol in English language texts from the 14th century. Hmm. And the spelling booze, B-O-O-Z-E, reportedly showed up in the 17th century. So apparently this predates any of the Philadelphia and World War I stories. According to an 18th century English lexicographer, Samuel Johnson, uh, the verb to booze, B-O-U-S-E, meant to drink lavishly. And the adjective boozy meant drunken. And a boozing can was a term for a drinking cup. Huh. Some commonly cited words are the old German bausen and bauschizen, which meant to bulge, billow, or swell, as well as the old Dutch word for drink excessively, which has been defined as uh, or identified as boosen, B-U-S-E-N. Uh, on the Dutch side, there's also the word booze, B-U-I-S-E, which means a large drinking vessel. There's also an old Persian-Turkish word, boza, or boza, B-O-Z-A, which uh, refers to uh, drinking excessively. So whatever the origin of booze may be, bottoms up, and now you have at least a theory that you can assign yourself to. Nice. So... So, I, I I just I just like the word. Like, there's something great about booze. the word booze. It's not like you would never see it like as advertisement. Like they would never say in advertising for Antigua uh, booze cruise, it up. Uh, you know, this is excellent booze. Like that wouldn't it, because booze is a little bit. It's a little derogatory. Body. Yeah, a body. Oh, there you go. <laughs> they body. were using that word, <laughs> but it, it's a little bit derogatory, right? Right. If you say somebody's boozing it up, you mean they're they're like. Drinking irresponsibly, yes, right? excessively, and right, right, and sloppily. Or if you say, "Give me some of that booze," you're not necessarily saying, "Could I have a sip of that Reserva de la Familia that you got <laughs> for your right. uh, for your uh, anniversary gift?" No, no, you're saying, "Pour me some of that swill." I know, I need it. I want it. Right. So, uh, Antigua Cruz is a uh, winner of the Superior Taste Award from 2015. It's a tequila añejo. And it is bottled by the uh, Compania Tequileria, uh, of course, in Jalisco. Because it has to be from uh, the Jalisco region to be tequila, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So this, I will tell you, we will not get the cork sound because it is a screw-off top. So That's a very modern it's bottle. It's a very though. modern bottle. And a lot of tequilas, uh, I've noticed, have the screw-off tops rather now, than the corks. Now, you said that this uh, this is not a particularly expensive Añejo. It's not. I was very surprised, actually, to find that. And I think I may have gotten it on sale. But it is in the $30 range, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, for an Añejo, that's, uh, you know, most... Most añejos are going to run you in the forty to fifty dollar range. Right. Sometimes more, just depending on the specific spirit in question. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that makes them better. Sometimes some of those really expensive añejos are quite good. Sometimes they may be just a little, uh, you know, a little overpriced. It just it just really depends. 
I will say that um, you know some añejos that I particularly like the uh, Pura Vida añejo mm-hmm. is generally in the fifty fifty five dollar range. I want to say uh, the Skelly, which is one of my all time favorites. Um, that's that's so a, good. That's about a fifty dollar, fifty two dollar uh, bottle of añejo, and it's very very good. So. At 30, this is significantly less, and it'll be interesting to see what we think of this and uh, and how it how it goes down, how smooth it is, and how it compares this the Antigua. So cones. just so there's no questions about it, this does not smell like a diaper. That's good to know. Band-Aid? Not like a Band-Aid Not either. like a Band-Aid. That's good to know. Like, I get this agave and smells like agave and butter. Yeah, I was going to say butter, yes. Yeah, like there is like a very buttery smell to this. Which makes and, me and think, pepper a little bit which makes me think it's likely to be very smooth because usually that butteriness is part of like I find the skelly which is one of the smoothest añejos ever mm. to be very buttery right right yeah. it has a buttery yeah. kind of uh-huh. smell to it well so. interesting it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see, see I pick this... up a little bit of pepper in there as well mm-hmm. and then of course you have the usual suspects is that that uh wow caramel kind of uh, vanilla kind of flavors so let me just say, this does not taste like a $30 tequila. Definitely not. Holy cow. It goes down very smooth and round, a lot like the Skelly. It has kind of a bright taste to it, yes. too. It's not a dark, heavy tequila But taste. you get a little pepper and a little mm-hmm. heat comes back up to you on the finish. After you've swallowed... And you have like a beat, and then here it comes. What's okay? So this one falls into a category of this actually tastes almost exactly like it smells, <laughs> like quite literally those flavors that you yes. get on the nose. You're picking them up like well, the butter is there, like, right? It's the butter is buttery. there, the agave of course throughout, and then the mm-hmm. pepper on the finish. And those were the three flavors that you were saying, right? And then there's a little vanilla, a little vanilla writing. There is some vanilla, yes, yes, all the way across there. But it's not just on the end or on the beginning; it's right across the middle of it, like right, right through the whole drink. This is the kind of tequila that you want to give to somebody who goes, "Oh yeah, I don't really do tequila. I had a bad experience with it in college, and I just, you know, I gave up tequila." You go take a little sip, right? Of this, because this is a different experience. Yeah, this is not what you have a tequila incident with. Right. That's right? exactly right. Or if you do, my hat is off to you, my friends, because this is a, uh, this is a, wow. Yeah, you'd have to sip this for a while. Yeah. I mean, this is, incident. and this is exactly that. This is something you have. Like, I could see this complementing uh, a, a good beer. Um, so having this and a good beer just to kind of sit back and forth. Something with a, a lot of malt profile on mm-hmm. it, but not really heavy. So, like, uh, we have 1836 Copper Ale here in town would be right, a good one to go with this. That would be great with this, yes. Or um, what's the one we had uh, a couple weeks ago that was just the really malty, delicious one? Um, I'm blanking on it right now. I'll think of it in a minute. Okay. But, uh, this, I was going to say, while you're thinking of that, I, I actually, upon another couple of sips, actually get almost a little brown sugar in this, yeah. too. Yeah, I'm there's a, a little sweetness, but it's a very darker sugar sort of. And sweetness. on the retro hail, that's where you get a lot of the vanilla mm-hmm. and the, and the brown sugary kind of. Brown sugar. I'm more accustomed to getting that flavor in a rum, right? Than in in a tequila. It's fairly standard, actually, in a really good sipping rum. But I got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed. Now, if this was a hundred dollar bottle, I'd probably be grading it a little differently. Yeah. 
But at $30, wow. That's pretty high price to quality index right I'm there. I'm not sure you can do a lot better for 30 bucks. That's, you know, that could, because that drink's like one of the $50 yeah. ones easily. It really does. It really does. So love when we discover one of these mm-hmm. and are able to pass it along to you because, um, you know, we're all about we're all about value. We're not <laughs> we're not made of money here. We're all about value. Right. So, uh, yeah. So the price to quality would be pretty exceptional on that. This is uh, and uh, so the Skelly has kind of an extra level of smoothness and it doesn't have that pepper, um, that pepper comeback that this yes, has. Correct. But I kind of like is, this on is, those levels too. That's part of what makes the Skelly so scary, right? Is because you could just it's keep drinking it and not really, not really feel like you're having tequila. So certain much. certain bottles are like that. Remember the uh, Rocks Origin uh, that I brought in? Oh yeah, you could just literally pour it in a glass you with just, a couple pieces kind of, of ice. Yeah, and a couple pieces of ice and just keep, and, keep and drinking it. Dripping Springs vodka, oddly enough. Uh huh. I like I like, like dripping. Yeah, Springs. just by itself. You don't need to mix it. You know, we have not done a lot of vodka on the show. And we, we, need to, we need to uh, correct that. Well, so so vodka seems to me like the newest trend is to have some flavor. And for a long time, um, the better the vodka was, the less flavor you really had. Because it was almost, yeah, just really clear yeah, and clean. you just keep distilling yeah. it until there's less mm-hmm. stuff in it, which makes it a better vodka. Um, but some of the some of the ones uh, that are coming out now have, and there's a bunch of infused ones, but some mm-hmm. of the ones that are coming out now are are, are just more flavorful, flavorful. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're accentuating the flavors. So why don't we why don't we plan on this on a on a show in the very near future? Let's do like a vodka blind test blind taste test. Do like five different vodkas side by side, and see what we think of each one. And we'll vary them in price, like a more expensive vodka, uh-huh. a really cheaper vodka. Because one of the things that I've read a lot Something about Something in vodka, a plastic bottle. Yes, exactly. Well, one of the things that I continue to read about vodka is that in the blind taste test, some of the cheaper brands really outperform some of the more expensive brands. So it'd be interesting to see if that follows hilarious. In our own in our own taste test. So. Uh, all right, so we'll think about that. Uh, final segment coming up. We are going to be sampling one more beer, and I think you're probably pretty excited about this, Ian. It's the Lakewood Brewing Coconut Temptress. Coconut Temptress. It's an Imperial Milk Stout. Let's try it. And it's got to have it's got to have some kind of coconut vibe to have a name like that. <laughs> right. uh, so that is coming up. Plus, I will give you the uh, story of the Boston uh, the Boston Beer Company, Sam Adams Beer. Uh, they have had a rough couple of years. They are back on track, and it's some very, uh, very encouraging news for fans of Sam Adams. They have kind of reinvented, rebranded, and it's working. So I'll tell you that story. Good for them. Uh, coming up. Yeah, we, lo- we love hearing good stories like that. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting, and we will be right back. Awesome. Did you like that one? On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. Uh, it is show number 89. This is our final segment. My name is Cruz. My partner is Ian Barry. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. B&B, by the way, uh, not only do they have amazing steaks and one of the most unbelievably well-curated bars you will ever find in a restaurant food establishment uh but they also have a bacon that is a delight to the senses and you know what you only live once 
So have bacon. Bacon. That's the way I. That's Chef way I Tommy's bacon it. is so good. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. You only live once, but at the same time, you might want to avoid certain things that could cut your life expectancy a little bit. Uh, here's a tip on how to uh, avoid a close shave with fiery death. Um, do you know a cigar or cigarette smoker who wears just a tad too much cologne and smokes in their car? <laughs> Maybe a coworker, an erstwhile friend? Well, a Baltimore, Maryland cigar smoker blew up his boss's Chevy SST catering van after dousing himself with a flammable cologne body spray and then lighting a cigar. <laughs> Witnesses reported an acrid smell consisting of dirty diapers and uh, um, uh, Band-Aids. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, an, an acrid smell consisting of pork chop, cigar smoke, cheap cologne, and smoldering Chevrolet upholstery fumes. <laughs> Uh, only in Baltimore, man. I've lived in Baltimore. That's only in hilarious. Baltimore. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and and you know how we do random observations now on the show. Uh, I do have one a random observation. If you get in the elevator at your place of employment or uh, home, if you live in a building with an elevator, and you get back in and can smell your own cologne. <laughs> you may have overdone it just a little bit. There's a reason they have no smoking signs in the elevator. <laughs> yeah. It's because of the people. And I don't know who these people are, but I get in uh, sometimes. Uh, I get in the elevator in my building sometimes, and my first question is, oh, my God, who did that? And my second question is, why did they pick that fragrance? Well, not only that, but who feels like they need to wear that much? Really? Yeah, really. Uh, you know what I think it is? I think you become immune somehow to the smell of the cologne or the perfume that you wear you must i mean because there's you, no way you could put that much on and not be disgusted like with i have okay so i've been like in a public place where someone's walked by minutes ago and i can still smell oh, yeah. it oh like what have you done to the air and how much are you wearing and the thing about an elevator is those that's not the best air circulation in the world oh. so that smell may remain in there for days or on a plane oh even worse uh even worse, and I get I get sent like that stuff will get all up in my sinuses mm-hmm. and it'll mess me up. And and uh, the worst is like there are certain scents that I could like it sticks on my tongue like I can taste it. It's awful. In the beer we're going to be trying in this segment is part of the seduction series. I'm glad you round that uh, round us back up there from Lakewood. Yeah, it was it was time. <laughs> it was uh, it's part of the seduction series from Lakewood Brewing Company. Lakewood uh, says <clears throat> on the bottle. If you want to be whisked away to a tropical paradise, whisked. all you need is a bottle opener. Oh, and look what I have right here. Uh, we added toasted coconut to our most seductive brew for a friendly flavor usually found only on the most remote of islands. It still has the delectable chocolate notes you love, but now with the rich hint of coconut, grass skirt optional. Since the temptress so easily mingles with bold flavors and ingredients, we created the Seduction Series, limited variations of our sinfully sultry brew. So this is a limited edition Seduction Series, Coconut Temptress, Imperial Milk Stout, Ale Brewed with Lactose Sugar, and Vanilla with Toasted Coconut. And it says here on the bottle, it pairs well with Coconut Cream Pie, mm-hmm. Lava cake mm. and ukuleles. And ukuleles. Yeah, so. If I'd have known, I'd have brought 
my ukulele. Can, can you play the ukulele? I can. Hmm. The ukulele is a very interesting instrument. It is. Um, it's tiny, and it and it creates a, a certain vibe, a, a sense of place when you play it. Almost instantaneously. I will tell you, this is the second beer we've opened on the show today that immediately <laughs> uh, the the uh, aroma of the beer escapes from the uh, escapes from the bottle. Does it smell like a diaper that's held on with band aids? It does not, and that I think is. Something that it has going for it at this point, because <laughs> I don't know that I would really want to be going back there again. You know this what I'm saying? Not, yeah, this is not where you're. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that sour ale, the Genesis from Wicked Weed. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't know if that's something that I want to repeat. At I this, would get it again. At I, I thought it was delicious. Oh, I, you're right. I, I would get it again. I, I'm just saying on the show. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't think I would want to go for something else. Quite as funky as the uh, <laughs> as that. So now I'm picking up what you're laying down. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting to see what we think of the Imperial Stout. It's an Imperial Milk Stout with coconut and sugar and vanilla. It's interesting and, uh, that, that it said toasted coconut because you can totally smell that. The toasted coconut yeah. smell. Yeah. Well, and I don't know why. This is, I think, the first beer I've ever seen that has coconut. As one of its flavors. Look how happy that face is. Oh, see, we're looking over. Ian's wife, <laughs> Tiffany, is here. She's uh, she's off camera, but I can just tell you that's a happy <laughs> face because I just poured her a sample. So she got to it ahead of us. So let's. Uh, mm. She did advanced research. Oh my, that's delicious. You know what I love about this? Um, as sweet and chocolate <laughs> and coconutty as it is, you know how coconut has a little astringent kind of snap to yes, it? Yes, I know what you're talking about. This has that on the end of it, mm-hmm. a little bitterness to finish it, or like a good dark chocolate has that right, bitterness. Right, it has that grimy, sort of gritty bitterness to it. Right, that that leaves you not with that sticky sweetness uh, left right. in your mouth. This is, this is fantastic. It really is. This is 9.1%, by the way, so mm. this is... Uh, Right in I your, like it even right more. Right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I like it even more. You know, I thought they were just being, you know, interesting and descriptive when they said it pairs well with lava cake. But this totally would pair <laughs> with totally lava cake. It, yeah. it kind of reminds it. me of lava you know, cake. Uh, it's surprising, as much stuff as that has going on, it doesn't have a real heavy mouthfeel to it. Um, it's actually a little bit lighter and... Um, and um, just not as thick feeling as you would expect. Yeah, more drinkable than you might expect. Yes, absolutely. Lakewood uh, Brewing Company is from Garland, Texas. Congratulations, guys. That rocks. And uh, yes, they've come up with a winner here. Now, it'd be interesting to me, <clears throat> we are tasting one of their Imperial Milk Stouts that is combined with the coconut. Right. Before we tasted just their standard Imperial Milk Stout. So it'd be interesting to taste them side by side and see... What it the will coconut be, it, brings. My you know? question is: Is that a single, or does it come in a six pack, or how does that go? And it comes in a four pack. It comes in a four pack. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well the bigger ABV. And mm-hmm. is it particularly expensive, or is that like a ten dollar four pack? I want to say it's about a ten or eleven dollar four right. pack. Yes, uh, right. Gotcha. As I recall, but it's good. Yeah, I would. I would definitely get that one again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's this is the kind like when you wanted to if you wanted to, instead of serving a dessert wine, like if you served this with dessert, mm. it would be just. 
you know. And it's almost almost the same ABV as wine. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but but it doesn't have that inherent sweetness that dessert wines can always mm-hmm. can often have. No, and a lot of times those are so sweet and they then they lay on the tongue and they're stuck there. You know, mm-hmm. so you're stuck with this aftertaste uh, on the dessert wines that right. you're like. Mm. You enjoy it, but that's yeah, kind of how I am about dessert away. wines. Yeah, it doesn't go away. Exactly. <laughs> the gift exactly. that keeps on giving. And I can be that way with mead, but you're a fan of the mead, aren't you? Now, I'm a fan of some meads. Um, yeah. I thought mead was terrible stuff, and my wife uh, turned me around on that because I apparently had never tried good mead before. Mm. And now that I've tried some pretty good meads, there are some that I'm a fan of. We had that one, that Meridian Hive mead on the show that yes, time. Yes, I remember and that. that was, it, was, it was delicious. It was quite good. It was quite yeah. good, yeah. So well, that's kind of how I am about tequila. It's like when people tell me, yeah, I don't really like tequila, I'm, ever, I'm always like, have you had good tequila? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, it, because it does change things. It well, you know, and things. like when, uh, you know, if you're out with friends at the bar and something like, let's do tequila shots, and then everyone wants to get a lime and salt, I'm like, no, I don't do that kind of tequila. Yeah, yeah that's not my kind of I tequila. I will take a shot. Yeah. But it's got to start at Padron, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm still likely to sip it because that's, yes, how, I, absolutely. that's because how I enjoy it uh, the most. Because if you have to shoot it, it's probably not that good. Ending the show on a positive note, the Boston Beer Company, Sam Adams, has returned to growth. Uh, the company makes Samuel Adams, uh, Angry Orchard, Twisted Tea, and Truly Spiked and Sparkling Products. Uh, they reported their first quarter 2018 earnings, which were highlighted by double-digit revenue and shipment growth. They reported a 17.8% increase in net revenue. And uh, this is a first for them for a while because things have been trending downward for Boston Beer for a while. I am so happy for them. First off, kudos to Sam Adams, one, for being at the forefront, for having the huevos to make craft beer. And, and like a better beer at a time when people weren't looking for it, right? And not waver from that at all. No, and, and just kind of keep Their grinding. Ad you know? campaign. What was the guy's name? Coach Jim Cook. Jim, Jim Cook. Cook. That's right. I'm yeah, Jim Cook. Right. <laughs> I mean, their whole ad campaign was brilliant. You yep. know, they really let you know, hey, no, mm-hmm. no, we're really here to cook or to to brew beer. We're here to make good beer that has flavor that isn't mm-hmm. your normal macro brew. And they have stuck to that for so many years. And um. And I'm glad to see, like, they have new marketing. Their, their uh, bottles look different. Their packaging is all different. Yep. yep. I'm and, glad to see it like and that. And they've kind of changed up some of their products. I mean, obviously, the uh, the Samuel Adams Boston Lager yep. remains their, uh, their constant. Uh, but, you know, I always appreciate Sam Adams because they were able to achieve the kind of market penetration yep. that often when you go into a bar and they don't have a very good selection, they will at they least will have a have Sam, Sam Adams. Adams. You're like, I'll take a Sam Adams. Right. You know you're going to get a and good beer. I will tell you this. I, uh, I I snob over Sam Adams sometimes just because I know Sam Adams is good enough, um, and I want to try something else. Mm-hmm. But every time I end up getting a Sam Adams, and some of their some of their special series too. But every time I get one, I go, "This is a good, a solid, good beer." So we'll. I'm never disappointed. We'll celebrate, except for that cherry wheat thing. That's a little awkward. Yeah, but but that's an acquired taste. Like that's right. one that some people are going to love. And I didn't. And some people aren't. I actually you know? didn't put it together. They did the uh, twisted tea and they did the uh, angry orchard. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, I don't like any of those things. But again, those are not to I'm my glad taste, they're but... keeping up with the market. And because right. uh, again, the angry orchard thing is just those are really sweet. Yes. If you ask me, I like right. the drier. Uh, if I'm going to do a cider, I like the drier cider. The Austin East ciders, but awesome. they do make the Rebel IPA. 
Which is darn Which good. is good, yeah. It's a darn it's good. Game. And they had one called Noble Pills um, yes, years I've ago. Had that. That was it's, absolutely it's fantastic, wonderful. yeah. Absolutely wonderful. So congratulations to Boston Beer. Uh, we we dig them, and uh, and we're glad to see them doing better. Because to me, that was one of the one of the sadder stories about the craft beer explosion is that as all these little microbreweries and stuff sort of exploded and popped onto the scene, it was getting harder for the Sierra Nevadas and the Boston right. beers and uh, those guys to continue to find their way in this marketplace because they didn't have the heft of the big guys, the Budweiser's, uh, and they didn't have the they weren't uh, new enough the the newness necessarily right. of the younger guys. So great to see that. Uh, speaking of Budweiser, just before we close. Seeing the Budweiser ads for this new uh, beer, this new Budweiser, and just like the last time they advertised their new beer product, I cannot find it anywhere. Yeah, they had what was they advertised uh, over Christmas last yes, year? Yes, it, it was um, that uh, that different prohibition uh, ale. prohibition ale. Never and found now it. Now they've got a lager uh, that's supposed to be this. Uh, uh, is it a lager or is it a blonde ale? Uh, but it it's bears the Budweiser name. Uh, I've seen the ads for it, and, and I don't watch. I don't watch that much television that I don't skip through the ads on to begin with, right? Right. So Budweiser, ha- they've cracked my consciousness with these ads. I've seen them enough, and I'm like, I'm gonna get that. We'll try it on the show. I'll make. Well, maybe we'll try it. And I won't. Tell anybody what it is. We'll see if we like it, you know, yeah. without being, you know, biased against it because it's Budway. And I cannot freaking find it. No, they've, yeah, and they've done that. This is like the third or fourth time I think they've done that. An ad campaign. Maybe they're just trying to see. The ad campaign how much, costs millions of dollars. Just millions. to see how much interest they're drumming up, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. They don't also know. had, didn't they also have just basic Budweiser with a higher ABV just because that's what they thought everyone was looking for in I the think craft that's beers? Bud Platinum. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for in beer is yeah. just higher ABV. Just no, higher ABV. I want flavor. I yeah. like higher ABV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not looking for just that. I like flavor. We don't want beer with good taste. We want beer that tastes good. Not to mention the fact that a lot of macro brews just sell their packaging now. Yes. They don't bother with uh-huh. what's inside the packaging. Right. You know? Well, with that, on that note, we will uh, <laughs> close and say this one right here, great packaging and Great beer. Fantastic Highly beer. recommended uh, the Coconut Temptress. Actually, everything we had on the show was good, although, in f- in fairness, the Wicked Weed Genesis is not for everyone. <laughs> but if you are adventurous- Delicious on the palate, yeah. not so much on the nose. Yeah. If you, are, if you are adventurous and you're willing to look past the nose of this, you might really enjoy this. Good show today uh, in terms of just the variety of things that we were able to sample and, and talk about. Awesome. I, I also like the uh, the uh, commentary we got going on on uh, on uh, Facebook the whole time we're doing this. During the Facebook uh, Tico, live, yes. I'm watching you on that. Uh, check my inbox. Uh, you sent me a link the other day for uh, a glass that holds a cigar. Guess what? I have one. I gave because it you gave yes. it to me, and it was awesome. <laughs> I use it yes. often. Yes, that was a uh, uh, that was a discovery from my good friend Dave Murphy. So shouts to Dave Murphy. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to the show and uh, for watching us on Facebook Live. Remember to share us, yeah, like us share on the Facebook. Uh, share the show is the best thing you can do if you enjoy us to help us uh, continue to grow the smoking and toasting uh, empire. We promise that we will make it worth your while at yes. some point. We'll we promise give away free cigars or something that we we'll will something. we will continue to smoke cigars and have wonderful 
drinks and good yes. time. And go to CigarAficionado.com, by the way, and uh, click on the article and uh, do your part to help uh, uh, speak out to the did FDA. You, did you bring that Mumford & Sons IPA today? Uh, you know what? I did, but we are out of time. We'll have to get to that another time. Thank you, everyone, for watching and for listening. This is Smoking and Toasting, show number 89, and we will uh, be back with you next week. Got a good show planned for next week.